Welcome to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here today. Coming up on the program, Matthew Hill of Night Energy talks about working from home, some adjustments, transitioning with the one-two shock punch coming from the demand and the supply side and the work from home. There's a lot of things happening in the oil and gas industry as far as transitional working, who's working from home, who's not, who's critical, who's not. And then, like I said, you got the one-two punch coming from Saudi Arabia, Russia, coronavirus, OPEC. It is a one-two supply-demand punch. Bailey Midkiff and Jake Milney with WIC give an update from Wyoming on the oil and gas activity, how much field work's going on, and how they're moving forward with jobs, taking the proper precautions, of course. Also, we have Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. In detail, he speaks of green opportunism. Pork bellies put into a recent bill. A lot of people out there listening know what bill that is. It was a recent coronavirus bill that was passed, a COVID-19 bill. I don't know the actual term, to be honest, but it's the relief bill, a couple trillion dollars. Well, it was stuffed with pork, and Tom Shepstone from Natural Gas Now talks about that in detail. All that plus much more on today's episode of the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to get right into our first interview. Let's go to Bailey Midkiff and Jake Milney with WIC. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Boy, I tell you, it is certainly some different times right now. A lot of people are working from their homes, transitioning. But again, when it comes to the oil and gas industry, so much energy is needed to keep the ventilators going, to keep the hospitals going, to keep the trucks moving from point A to point B. Not only that, we need the plastics in order to put on the testing kits and the vaccines, all kinds of different things that the petroleum industry is needed for. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I do like to start off the conversation anytime nowadays to find out what level of business people are engaged in. Are they open? Are they working normal hours? That sort of thing. So Jake Milney, Bailey Midkiff, thank you for joining us today. First of all, talk to me about uh, what's going on in your guys' world in terms of your office and your business activity. Well, uh, you know, it's... At first, it didn't seem like there was going to be much change. You know, with uh, most of our projects being in the energy sector right now, uh, we weren't expecting too much of a change. Over the last week, though, uh, we've put out our coronavirus uh, notice to our associates, clients, uh, as well as our guidelines to employees. Um, We've locked the office front door. Uh, No one gets in without an appointment or... uh, and we had a notice up there. If you're feeling symptomatic, then you aren't coming in here. And uh, then, you know, looking at what our clients and vendors are saying that they're going to do, making sure that we're relaying that to our field people and, and following all the procedures that are being put in place. Uh, with that being said, uh, we're down to three people in the office right now. Uh, everyone else is working from home. The CEO's coming in for a couple hours a day. Um, that's about it. You know, earlier this week, we, the last week, they had one project down in Evanston, Wyoming, they put in some procedures and, um, you know, we thought, okay, this is, this project's going to keep going. Well, then they, uh, decided on Monday or Tuesday this week that they were going to shut down the project and, uh, and reevaluate after April 1st. Um, got another client 
that's uh, in between Rollins and Casper that uh, they had a, a two-week turnaround that uh, is now reduced to three days. They found out earlier this week that they had uh, two employees that operators that were uh, diagnosed with the coronavirus. So they're looking into that and, and you know, making sure that our employees didn't come into contact with them. Um, we've since suspended work there until further notice. Uh, you know, that everyone's holding tight onto their, their wallets. You know, we've, um, we've been worried about other projects being canceled, but as of right now, as far as our, our oil field type work, that stuff's still in motion. Um, emergency stuff is, is still being attended to all the, uh, other turnarounds we have planned are, are going forward as normal, but uh, our bigger projects is is where we're seeing everyone kind of sitting back, holding tight to their cash, and and waiting to see how this all turns out before they issue any POs. You know, we've got several verbal awards out there that well, we're just waiting for uh, waiting to see what happens before we actually allocate the money because they don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, trying to continue business as usual. Uh, Bailey is with his. Uh, his uh, travels to all these different places. Uh, he's not allowed at the office for right now till uh, till things settle down and and um, you know just uh, trying to continue to to work with our clients and and meet the needs of all of our associates that we deal with. Uh, but it's significantly impacted the way that we are doing business. That's for sure. Bailey, I know that you're kind of like like Jake said. You you get out there. You're the traveling guy. You got to. I don't know if you're a caged bird right now or if you're still running a few meetings here and there or what, but uh, talk to me about how your life has been impacted. You know, I am actually on the road right now. And with everything going Woo-hoo! on, um, you got to be, yeah, you got to be very cautious. At least, yeah, I'm not uh, stir crazy. Uh, I'm out and about. But, you know, it really just boils down to respecting your your clients the best you can. I mean, I try to ensure I have a meeting, uh, some people you can't get a hold of. And I think a lot of that probably is those individuals are at home or, you know, in a secured environment where they're so busy on the phone, it's kind of hard to address that. I mean, the phone calls before probably tripled, right? So the communication we have now is way different. I, you know, even if I can do like a virtual visit or anything, we're open to any ideas with all our clients. But if I can get a meeting, I absolutely go. Now, I'm in healthy condition right now, so obviously that's not an issue. But, you know, the humbling factor of, you know, all the health concerns, I'm really watching it. And it's crazy to see. So, you know, obviously we've got connecting states that have a lot of cases and they're taking extreme measures to force individuals, you know, to stay home. Uh, Wyoming hasn't seen that yet. And I will tell you this, the traffic's pretty normal. Uh, I was at Walmart this morning to get some groceries before I headed out. And uh, it was still busy. They were stocking the shelves. Uh, yesterday alone, I went down a, a renowned road in the Powder River Basin, uh, Ross Road, and there was more traffic on that gravel road with, you know, the oil and gas operations happening there than there was on I-25 to get to it. You know, if I can speak to that point, i seen on uh, Facebook, they, uh, some company came out with the a grading system on how well each state is doing on their social distancing. And they said, Wyoming's got an F and I've seen everyone complaining about it. And like, come on, people get it together. But if you actually read the article, it said, you know, well, first of all, 
everyone lives very rurally in Wyoming for the most part. You know, for for example, me, if I wanted to go get a loaf of bread from the store, it'd take me a half hour, 15 minute drive there, 15 minute drive back. And that's if I don't run into slow ups at the store. To listen to the full length interview with Bailey Midkiff and Jake Milney with WIC or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. This quarter's survey results were overwhelmingly negative as recent events have weighed heavily on the industry. Relative to last quarter, business activity levels plunged, Firms cut capital spending, and outlooks became extremely pessimistic. Firms were asked for the fifth year in a row about break-even prices to profitably drill new wells and to cover operating expenses at existing wells. The average break-even price for new wells was a little under $50, and current oil prices are well below almost all of the responses. Likewise, based on the survey responses, many firms will find it difficult to cover operating expenses at current prices. The survey finally also asked industry executives about how the coronavirus outbreak has changed their firm's outlook for certain key areas in 2020. The majority of firms have revised down their expectations for their firm's oil production, capital expenditures, and company outlook. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. See, I was on your website uh, the other day, and I noticed that, excuse me here while I do this, renewable energy industry seeks to scam public during health crisis. And that that's a topic that is really one that if they're not talking about it in the halls of Congress, they need to really fast because it's... It's one that's out there, it's real, and it's almost like if anybody brings up anything that goes against the grain, you immediately get publicly shamed by people. So I'm really glad that you kind of have taken this on, at least with Natural Gas Now. Uh, right. t- talk to me a little bit about the story. Who's behind it, and was it you? Was it someone else? Just let's let's talk about it. Well, first of all, uh, I wrote, a, I published this post, which is from the American Energy Alliance, and I have a relationship with them. Uh, it's not a monetary relationship, but a, uh, where they will allow me to uh, use their post. Uh, they're part of the Institute of Energy Research, uh, which actually has three different you know, blogs that I, I take material from from time to time. And they're good people and uh, some very knowledgeable people that are close to the ground uh, politically as to what's happening in the energy field. And I saw this, and I and I, I I really couldn't believe it. Now I published this on March 19th, which was what Friday, uh, Thursday, last Thursday. So uh, I, I, 
you know, I, I, I know the stuff goes on, but when you, when you see it in writing that, in fact, you know, uh, the House Democrats are trying to use this coronavirus crisis, and, and you, we can debate how, you know, whether it's a crisis or not, or whether the you know, measures are right or wrong, or you know, all those things. There's plenty of opportunity to do all that. But that they're trying to push stuff into this bill at this critical time that has zero, absolutely zero, to do with the supposed crisis or real crisis, depending on your viewpoint. So the the credits that they're asking for relate to uh, solar and wind energy, which have been on a ride for a long time. And what's been happening is over time, uh, these things were supposed to have been temporary when they were first done, you know, uh, what, 20 years ago and so on. And over time, uh, people have been grown very disenchanted with them, uh, although they still enjoy a certain level of political correctness. And a number of states have tried to limit these kinds of things. The federal government has tried to ratchet it down. Uh, they never they never seem to simply say, time's up, enough is enough. You know, that never happens. It's, it's always a very slow ratchet down, but that's been happening. So what's going on now is the Democrats are essentially saying, this is our opportunity to uh, reward one of our key constituency groups. We will get something big and more permanent on these wind and solar energy uh, tax credits. And, of course, it's a, it's a ripoff of unimaginable proportions. It is, I'm going to say it, this is evil. This is truly evil. Uh, that these people are trying to do this at this point. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating, so I'm very upset about it. I just want to make sure I'm following this here. Um, are we talking about these like tax credits and tax credit extensions that I've been reading about and hearing about and even had a few people interviewed on this platform about uh, like solar and wind? There's like a lot of them do this year, right? Am, am I following this right? Yeah, like yeah. like they're ready to sunset, right? They're ready to they're ready to expire or whatever the case might be. And so there's a lot of talk that if these, um, if these what do you, what do you want to call them extension? I guess if these subsidies do not get extended, it's going to make that industry extremely vulnerable. Uh, and now, am, am I following this right? Absolutely. I okay. Mean, the, the whole industry, the renewable energy industry. With a few exceptions. I mean, there's a few things that make sense. Uh, geothermal energy has a place, for sure. Um, solar rooftop has a place where it's supplemental, you know. Wind has a place where it's, it's uh, filling in a gap, you know, that kind of a thing. But on the whole, all these things are gigantic rip-offs. I mean, they do not work unless they get hidden subsidies in the form of, of uh, tax credits and similar types of things. The other one is... Uh, um, these uh, requirements that you um, that you use a certain amount of renewable energy in uh, in a uh, you know an energy portfolio if you're a utility. So uh, there's there's so many ways, and it's all invisible to the consumer, the energy consumer, mostly invisible to the energy consumer. It's in very fine print on the bottom of your of your utility bill that says you're being charged, and and it uses some kind of uh, a uh, euphemistic term that you you really don't even know what you're being charged for. So uh, they've been getting away for this for years. Uh, Congress has been and the states have been trying to ratchet it down, but 
you know, the Democrats are now trying to uh, ratchet it up in a big way in the middle of a crisis. I mean, they're holding the country hostage, essentially. Are they trying to insert these tax extensions? I'm sorry, these subsidy extensions uh, into this, like these trillion dollar packages that I'm, you know, seeing floating around that they're trying to pass emergency wise. And oh, oh, for real? That's where they're trying to insert these things in. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, and, I did and, read your article right then, because I'll be honest, when I read that, I thought I wasn't reading it right. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, 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 it's, it's incomprehensible. It's uh, the, the, the legal term for what's going on here is unconscionable. It's unconscionable behavior. And that is a legal term. You can look it up. This um, this kind of mirrors the uh, 2009 stimulus bill a little bit, doesn't it? No in question. terms of in terms of just throwing it in there. There's no question about it. We know what happened there. We 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 know that. Uh, you know, I, I remember a friend of mine, uh, not a particularly close friend, but a friend uh, was involved uh, on the board of a bank in New Jersey, and. Uh, he said to me at the time, we were talking about some railroad stuff that we were mutually interested in, and he said to me, you know, um, we, we didn't need that money, but it was so cheap, we had to take it. <laughs> so that's that's what was going on. I, I couldn't believe he was telling me, you know. They, they took the money. What was it called? It started with a T, I forget. But anyway, the uh, uh, TARP. TARP. TARP, money. Yeah. TARP. He said, we didn't need that TARP money, but we had to take it. It was just so cheap, we couldn't turn it down. <laughs> so... So this is this is how it works, you know. Mr. Tom Shepstone, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. We'll continue the conversation with Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. My name is Jason Spees. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. Said I was two years old when John Lennon died. And I was 23 when George said goodbye Yeah, next go I think it's Paul, I say And then there'll be only Ringo to play Well, Gandhi says an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind And I was two years old when John Lennon died Well, I was born under a harvest moon I wasn't too late and I wasn't too soon And I was born on the first day of my life And I was two years old when John Lennon died I was two years old when John Lennon died. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. 
the model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you. There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. Yeah, well, uh, there's no question that it's being affected uh, dramatically. I mean, if I'm looking at the uh, natural gas price right now on my website, we have a little thing that tells you it's a dollar sixty. You know, that's uh, incredibly, incredibly low. You know, everybody was hoping to get it up to. Uh, $4 uh, by this time, you know, if we look back a couple of years. So what this has done is it, it, it's, it's exaggerated the, uh, the impact of being in a commodity business. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in a commodity business, you, you constantly have to lower your costs. There are very few, if any, opportunities to increase revenue. You constantly have to lower costs. That's the nature. It doesn't matter. I think we've had this conversation before. It doesn't matter whether you're in the dairy business or you're in the steel business or you're in the oil and gas business, you're selling a commodity. And commodities, uh, there are very few opportunities to set your own prices. You are vulnerable to whatever the market is because it's something that everybody needs. And when there's too much of it, the price goes down. And when there's not enough of it, the price goes up a lot. And uh, right now, we've overproduced. I've been doing it for a long time. And as a result, we have a situation where prices are abysmally low, and now here along comes the coronavirus and uh, reduces, uh, just as one example, reduces uh, all the the driving. I mean, I was talking to somebody from uh, uh, Long Island earlier today, and he was was going into the city. He was driving as he was calling to me to see his very elderly parents, which he's not supposed to do, but he's going to do anyway, uh, because... Uh, he, he properly feels that giving them comfort is more important than dealing with their, you know, threats to their, their health. And um, the uh, he, he 
said to me, the city is like a ghost town. He said, there's the, he says you can drive right through the city with, you know, with no obstacles whatsoever. So imagine what that means. This is the heartbeat. New York City, like it or not, is the heartbeat of the world in terms of commerce. So, uh, and it's dead. It's absolutely dead at the moment. And, so, that, and, and that's, that, that's any town USA right now, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went, We, my wife and I like to eat out on weekends. We usually eat out two or three nights. And uh, um, we went to one of our favorite restaurants. Well, our restaurants are closed here, but they all do takeout. So we went to one of our favorite restaurants, got got takeout on Saturday night. It was very good. And, and But they, when I went there, they said they weren't going to do it anymore. They tried for a few days, and only a few people came, so they were going to shut that down as well. Um now, fortunately, Tom, this particular business let, has something else they can do, but but there you go. Let me you ask go. you this: you you you're a smart guy, and you understand capitalism, okay? Uh-huh. And I, I think you and I have maybe even talked about this before, where you know the oil industry is really the last bastion for capitalism. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, you look at every other industry; they're so subsidized that it's not a free market. And that's that's that, and, and there's I do not feel guilty at all by saying that at all that the oil industry is the last bastion for capitalism. That's really what attracted me to the oil industry. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm and, with you. I'm totally with you. Okay, so when, when I see what's going on here, this really concerns me. This really concerns me because um, I I don't want to put a conspiracy hat on. But at the same time, I don't want to ignore some of these factors. That is, I don't know how you can shut an economy down the way they have that is so socialized to begin with to not come back and become even more socialized. And I'm not trying to get into some political yada yada discussion. I'm just trying to figure out that I, I, I don't know what they can come back with except something like that. Well. Let me let me give you a little source of uh, uh, some hope. Let's put it that way. Please I think, do. I think, <laughs> I think the president's doing a, a good job on this. You know, we can all pick at this or that, but I think he's doing a good job because what he's emphasizing over and over again is uh, the the way he's working this through private industry rather than government. You know, government is obviously playing a huge role, but. He's emphasized over and over again that, that look, uh, for example, for the testing, we're not going to continue to rely on this ridiculous government system that, that's antiquated and, and couldn't possibly do it. We're going to go directly to industry. We're going to set up work with private labs and all that kind of stuff. And as a result, I think he's instilling uh, uh, a, a sense that when you really want to get things done, you do need a capitalist economy. And also, um, he is he is uh, cutting all kinds of additional regulation. He was always a big regulation cutter, but now he's an even bigger regulation cutter. And we have even you know liberal governors deciding all of a sudden they don't need to regulate this or that. Uh, they are you know everybody's changing their ways, and uh, uh, and and we may find, for example, just to get off on a totally unrelated topic. We may find cyber schools and school choice and homeschooling and all those things being a lot more popular all of a sudden, don't you think? Um, because of what we see with this. We're know. definitely going to have a hybrid going forward. Um, yep. In fact, I was talking to a couple business people yesterday, and you might start seeing office shares 
instead of timeshares, you might start seeing guys that say, guys and girls, excuse me, a little old school here. Jeez, boy, that's got to be careful (laughs) today's day and age. Um, Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you you could, it's back like when Howard Dean made that funny noise and ruined his political career. You know, you get one, (laughs) you you, you get one second of excitement and, you know, it can be the end of it. But no, I mean, to where people understand that, most of the work that you do can be done at home, but there is a yeah, need for right. an office, but there is a need for an office. And so, you know, like I was talking to a guy yesterday, well, maybe, you know, three different uh, companies go in on an, on an office together. And you know what? Monday, this company gets it. Tuesday, this company gets it. Thursday, you know what I mean? They kind of just... There's no question. Yeah. And, and to me, I, I see where that's going to be the future. Um, we're going to start doing some things outside the box. We're going to start uh, approaching things a little bit differently. And that's what I mean when I say when we come back in the next, you know, say 90 days when this is all said and done, because when we're doing this interview right now, I just read three more states shut down like the governors came out and shut them down. So, you know, we're far from this. I think this will probably go through midsummer, if not more. And, oh God! I hope you're wrong. I really hope you're wrong on that. Well, just yeah. just Vegas being 30 days right there. You know, you're talking. You know, into May, yeah. and and that's yeah. and and that's going to take a little bit to bounce back, anyways. Um, well, I think I think this is an area where the president's going to have to give some real leadership and uh, you know and, and and start to make the case logically for why. Uh, things we need to get the economy going again. Well, we and need the, to lift some of these. And, and, and that's where I'm a little bit disappointed in the Republicans right now, to be honest, because uh-huh. they, they were the ones that led with this this stimulus package. And oh, I know. I, I agree know. with you. The way Trump's trying to slash some of the regulation and taxes, because what's going on here is at the end of the day, Tom, the, the, there's yep. still the same amount of money on the planet. I mean, it's still circulating around the planet. What we've got to do is we've got to incentivize and get the people to spend it instead of hoarding it, instead of trying to go after them and get their grandkids, kids, kids, kids money. That doesn't make any sense to kick it down when when you can open it up. I see that people don't like me talking like this. They don't like me trying to. I, I would love to see in the next 90 days come back with more of a free market as opposed yeah. to less of a free. I am not hearing anybody talk about opening up the free market. All I'm hearing people do is talk about more control, less less uh, uh, rights and all these. Other, and I get it. There's there, there's some serious stuff going on. But if we yeah. take care of it, why not come back with a fresh new market out there? That's how I look at yeah. it. But. Yeah, um, I, anyway, I, so I could not agree more, and I just hope and pray the president will take that direction um, and try to uh, try to, to lead in that path. Uh, I, this whole thing, you know, with this these these bills are just uh, it, it's the only way Washington seems to know how to work. I was pleased that uh, uh, the head I can't think of his name at the moment, but the guy who leads the American Petroleum Institute did an interview on one of the financial networks the other night, and uh, he made a very strong, impassioned um, plea that we do rely upon the, the private market, and, and as tough as it is for the, the industry right now, and the industry is going to suffer awfully, uh, they do not believe in handouts. They would prefer we keep a free market approach to this, so that that's the best way to to deliver what the market, what people need. Let's put it that way. The market is only a reflection of people. You're you're referring to. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, market. The market's just the way that people vote. That's all. 
To listen to the full-length interview with Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Matthew Hill with Night Energy. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. Food Life is sponsored in part by Make Energy Great Again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thoughts on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Matthew Hill with Night Energy. Well, uh, as you know, uh, we're all been uh, asked to uh, shelter at home as much as possible to keep uh, the coronavirus at bay. And when you do that, you happen to uh, look at all the things as you're taking meetings online and Skyping and reaching out to everybody to keep in contact and make sure the wool field's going okay. Uh, I'm sure a lot, uh, most of our uh, colleagues are in the same boat. They're like, oh, my gosh, it's hard to work at home. You got all these uh, pressures on you to, hey, I need to help with the kids, and I need to help this, and I need to fix a light bulb or whatever. So, You know, I've been doing the home office thing for about 15 years. There was three years where I was in an office, but – primarily over the last 15 years. And the one thing that I noticed that was the really hard secret thing to adjust to was how easily you could go to the break room or the water cooler or get some coffee or just stop by a cubes, you know, an, an, an adjoining neighbor either by the office or the cube and have a three minute, five minute discussion throughout the day. That's the one thing that working at home that was just really kind of snuck up on me a little bit that I really did miss was having that office camaraderie, having those little breaks throughout the day. And what I found was exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, you know, I suppose I could replace that light bulb now. And then pretty soon I found myself doing more home projects than actual work during the day. So it's, it's an interesting balance. It is. It's, and it just goes to remind me constantly how important our network is because we've all, uh, been reaching out. I've been doing a, a uh, 
Oh, I'd say a market study and just calling all the operators with, you know, all my friends that are engineers and uh, getting in touch with them and saying, hey, how's your business? What's your plans this year? You know, what are you guys doing with drilling, completion, production, workovers, fishing, uh, manufacturing? You know, you need parts for anything. I mean, just seeing how you can be a part of what they're going through. You know, I mean, we're all in this together with uh, not just the coronavirus, of course, uh, knocking us in the teeth a little bit, but uh, also with the uh, Russia and Saudi dumping all the oil on the markets and our uh, oil prices being hit so hard. We're just, you know, we're reeling a lot. So now is the more than ever, those of us, you know, still fighting the fight have to work, I'd say, out of respect for those that are getting laid off, just doubly hard. You mentioned the one-two punch of the OPEC, Russia, Saudi Arabia supply demand shock, and then on the other side, the coronavirus supply demand shock. You know, there was conversation yesterday I had with Jim Willis from Marcellus Drilling News, and he brought up a good point, you know, that this this kind of the, the shock to the demand side and the shock to the um, supply side is really kind of unprecedented happening at the same time like that. And it, it was a one-two punch like the industry's never seen before. And that's why I'm glad that you're joining us today because it seems like everywhere we go and in terms of online, there's negative news and all this cutting back and this and that. But at the end of the day we still need to power the grid. And last time I checked, natural gas and fossil fuels or hydrocarbons are a big part of that grid. And without even getting into the distribution chain, just keeping the lights on and the ventilators going and, and just the sheer basic hospitals, the energy industry has to keep trucking along, keep moving along. And, and from what I understand, you guys at um, Night Energy are one of those companies that are fortunate enough to have work in, in shale play USA. And, um, talk to me a little bit about that. You guys are, you guys are currently ha have some jobs and are working and things seem to be pretty positive, huh? We're, we're positive. I mean, we, we all, you know, have gone through a, uh, restructuring at night before any of this, you know, so we're running lean and mean and are poised to help you know, all the operators that are going to stay in it so that they're going to have the rental equipment and services that they need at an affordable price with, you know, partners in every basin. Because there's, there's no place on U.S. land that we can't be to help them out. So any operator can look to us and say, hey, I need your services more than ever because, you know, so many vendors are taking a hit and can't help us anymore. So we've got full staff, you know, full equipment ready to be there. And, 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 that's, and that's drilling, completion, production, workovers, uh, inspection, manufacturing. So there's no part of the oil and gas sector uh, on that side of it that we can't step in with, you know, amazing people, talent, and innovation and uh, expertise, you know, on how to, you know, help out their organization and support them. Who is your customer, I guess? 
Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, I'd say any operator that uh, has wells. I mean, whether it be the the guy that's going to go out and service as well, maybe replace some casing. You know, they, they may only have a couple uh, wells a year that they work over and keep the production up. Or it can be Chevron in the Gulf that needs, you know, drill pipe for, you know, an entire string of drill pipe to go and drill. So from big to small on the operator side, whether it be horizontal or vertical, there's something that we can do to help everybody. So we've been very fortunate to have such a broad market. And it gives me the opportunity personally to speak to everybody from, you know, from the top down. I mean, and that's going to do it for today's The Crude Life Weekend Review. I'd like to thank Matthew Hill of Night Energy. Also on today's program, we would like to thank Bailey Midkiff and Jake Milney with WIC. Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. Thank you very much, all three of you, four of you, for coming on today's program and being a part of The Crude Life Weekend Review. Also, folks, we do want to mention we have a daily podcast available at thecrudelife.com as well as exclusive interviews, news, content videos our march madness tournament is going on right now the sweet 16 action is happening as we speak you don't want to miss that all that is part of our social media of course we have social media pages on youtubes facebook's even the tweeters and twitters the other accounts i'm not sure about but boy if you go to the social media tab on our website we have about 10 pages i think or so of different social media accounts that you can participate in and be a part of We would also like to thank you folks for tuning in to this radio station and listening to the Crude Life Week in Review. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. And if you're listening to us online via the interweb, thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate any way you check out the Crude Life content because we know there is a million people doing a million pieces of content out there. So we appreciate it very much. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece.